How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 265 of X-Lapsed, and it's the uh, first of, well, two episodes in a row where we're uh, not going off the beaten path necessarily, but we're we're addressing some pretty big things. Uh, today, we've got the Onslaught Revelation. That's going to wrap up the Way of X story. Uh, next episode, we've got Inferno. We're kicking off Inferno after all this time, and even to this very minute, I have not yet been spoiled on it, which is a... Uh, is a thing because I, I I was I thought for sure I was going to get spoiled on this thing the minute it came out, but I have not. So I'm looking forward to sitting down with that one later today. But today we've got the onslaught revelation, and I've got a very special guest with me to discuss it. My good friend Walt, how you doing today, Walt? Good yourself? Oh, you know, hanging in there, hanging in there, doing the thing like we always do. Um, I, I, I was so happy to hear that you wanted to come on to talk about Onslaught because uh, you and I are fans of a similar vintage. You know, we came up in the 90s here. We were there for all the excess, all the ups and downs of the speculator market and um, the X-Men kind of being the straw that stirred the drink at Marvel and, and in comics overall. And we saw them, you know, rise to things like Age of Apocalypse We saw things like right after Age of Apocalypse ended, Juggernaut got thrown across the country and said one word. And it's like, well, what is that going to be? And, you know, uh, that's that's kind of where I I, I think we both kind of waned a little bit around that time in our fandom. Am am I correct? Yeah, I think I lasted a couple months longer than you, like Mm -hmm. 325. But somewhere in there, I faded out and. Came back for a bit of Onslaught, but okay, yeah, okay. spot in there somewhere. Now, was Onslaught part of the reason you came back? Um, yeah, for that time, because mm-hmm. I know the the two specials that bookended the event. Sure, probably the main things and a few of the tie-ins. Like, I think that was where we had Rogue and Joseph coming into more prominence. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It, it was an interesting time. It's and it's one of those things like even now if I see a an onslaught tie-in and I mean, of course it's a '90s book. Uh, it has the '90s trappings in it. Uh, if we if we want to distill it down, it's like yeah, it was it was what it was. Um, but you know we talk about this sometimes off the air where it's like if we're in a dollar bin or a fifty cent bin or a quarter bin and we see something with foil on it or something with a hologram on it, mm-hmm. we're taking it. We're taking it no matter what because it's just it's that kind of in our DNA. So yeah. like even now today, if I see something with an onslaught sticker on it, you know, or a onslaught branding on it, it could be an issue of Punisher, which it was not too long ago. It's like I'm picking it up because it's an onslaught tie-in. Yeah. I may never read it. <laughs> it may be like Essential X Lapsed episode four thousand and eight in in the year twenty thirty four, but mm. it's it's there and uh, onslaught was. A really big deal. Um, now, what were your thoughts about? I mean, Onslaught led to Onslaught was originally an X Men thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was originally 
something that Scott Lobdell wrote into a script that he didn't know where it was going. He didn't know what it was going to be. And he hoped that he would untangle the, uh, the, the clothesline, you know, to get to from A to B. What it turned into, and I mean, Marvel at the time was big about this. If it's something that can be, you know, the size of a football, it's also something that can be the size of a watermelon. You know, we can stretch this thing. We saw it with the clone saga. We saw it with, um, just the expanding of all the families of books, the editorial fiefdoms, the multiple editors in chief who are just growing their own groups of books where it's like, how can this be sustained? And we found out that it couldn't be. <laughs> so we have Onslaught, which was an X-Men story. And then mm-hmm. it grows into the entire X-Men family of books. And then it grows into the entire Marvel universe. And it ended with several Marvel characters going away for a while. What were your thoughts when you found out that uh, Lee and Liefeld are coming back and they're taking they're taking Cap, they're taking Iron Man, they're taking the Fantastic Four, they're taking just all these ca- what's what's the fourth one? What was the f- there were four books right? Iron Man, Captain America, Avengers, Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. So what were your thoughts when you found out that they were doing that? I think at the time I was actually pretty interested because I hadn't really gotten into those titles at the time. Okay, so it was a fresh start for me. Fresh and, start. Yeah. And, of course, back then, where number ones were still special, so it's like, sure. oh, I've got Captain <laughs> America number one. I've got Avengers number one. Yep. <laughs> of course, I bailed after the first issues because I could only afford so much, and it's like, well, I've got other stuff to keep up with. And they weren't very good. I mean, some. They, I guess you know. I think uh, we've. I think we've softened on them a lot in uh, mm-hmm. in recent years, where we see them as kind of a novelty. Uh, but uh, back in the day. They were not received all that well. Um, they were kind of like the last gasp of the speculator. You know, it's like these new number ones, people kind of rushed. And then it was just like, no, we're kind of we're kind of over this. And it was uh, a good Captain America meme with the with the, the boobies. Yeah. The oversized chest. <laughs> yes. And the Liefeld booby cap. Yeah, that was. Uh, and I don't know if that that ever made it into a book. I, I know it was used for advertising, but I, I don't even know if it was ever anything inside an issue of it. I'd have to double check, but I don't think it was. But it's still it's still hilarious. It's still very, very funny. And um, it's funny. I, I had left and I've talked on air before about when I left. I, I left right around the, the month of Uncanny 230. To, um, 325 uh, my discalcula kicked in uh this was the um the foil covers of course the fold-out foil and uh, that led to volume 245 to volume 2 number 45 not 245 that was also foiled and i felt like it didn't deserve it it's a great issue but i i, I threw a temper tantrum like i'm done done with it and um then you know the books start piling up And it's like, okay, well, it's like three months later, it's like I can maybe get back into it. And then it's like six months later, it's like, no, there's no way. I'm just done for good. Wash my hands of it. And I was hanging out at a buddy's house and he's talking about um, the Onslaught storyline. And I'm like, okay, you know, I was on AOL, you know, I was on Usenet and I knew Onslaught was a thing. And I asked him like, okay, what's Onslaught? And he starts telling me what Onslaught's about. And it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't going into my head you know it's like okay i I don't get what's so important about this it's like um oh i mean i got what was so important as a story idea but it's like i didn't see it as being something that would pull me back in and then he mentioned like oh yeah this is paying off the x trader Mm -hmm. and i was just like oh (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, you know, I'd forgotten all about that. Still wasn't enough to get me back in the door, but it made me interested. And okay. I, you know, I would dig through like he would flip through his comics with me and be like, oh, OK, I'm OK. That I remember that scene. Bishop's watching the thing with Jean Grey. And oh, now we're seeing what she actually said. And it was interesting. I like that they were able to tie that all together, especially, you know, with the hindsight that we know now that none of it was planned. Mm-hmm. You know, with that, with that understanding that nothing was planned, it's I hate using the word genius, but it's like nothing short of genius that it actually came together the way it did. And not only did it pay off the not only did it facilitate the you know pocket universe, it also paid off this long dangling and muddled over thread that so many of us were trying to figure out. I, I thought that was just so special. And um, I mean, it also gets into Professor X having a crush on Jean Grey, which uh, is a little icky, which uh, we've talked about on the Essential Show, which uh, we won't go into right now. But um, it it was interesting. Now, Mm -hmm. Onslaught, to me, and I think I've said this on the air before, he always, um, not always, but he kind of reminds me of like Trigon done right. Like Trigon over the Teen Titans, where uh, Wolfman and Perez wanted to use him like once. <laughs> and he was going to be this huge threat. They were going to take him down, but then that was going to be it. Maybe he'd come back in 15, 20 years. Maybe he'd come back way down the line. But he was gone. That's the point. They wanted him to be gone. Of course, they brought him back like every 18 issues. <laughs> it's like, okay, Trigon's back again. And oh, wait, Raven's Trigon's daughter. And that's basically her only character trait. Great. This was different with Onslaught. I mean, we talked about this just a minute ago. They didn't really bring Onslaught back too much. Was that a surprise to you that they didn't go right back to the Onslaught well in, I, I mean, let's go to, you know, the the or like the, the turn of the century, around the 12. I mean, there was no, Onslaught was never brought back. During the Morris and Casey Austin run, Onslaught was never brought back. During the Claremont return, no Onslaught. During the Brubaker run, no onslaught. During the Utopia Schism era, no onslaught. Yeah. So were you surprised they didn't go back to this uh, to this well as often as they may have another property? Yeah, I don't think I've thought about it too much, but yeah, even just now thinking about it, I am surprised they never really went back to it. And mm-hmm. even those couple of miniseries that they did mm-hmm. really weren't eccentric. It was more about the that the anniversary or yeah yeah and yeah, it was just didn't have any impact from those because just forget about series that may have looked kind of pretty but they squandered their potential i think yeah no no i'm with you there i think they were just uh kind of they were kind of cash-ins i think it was just like um you know, the show is called X Lapsed, which means that there are lapsed X fans out there. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But um, if you are or were a lapsed X fan and you see Onslaught on the cover of a book, if you're just wandering into a comic shop or if you're online and you see, oh, there's an, an Onslaught story. I remember Onslaught. That's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the shop and you buy this, you know, this celebration, this anniversary Thing that really doesn't have much to do with anything. I know they brought uh, Onslaught back sorta during Axis, right? Um, around 2012 or so. Like the Red Skull was Onslaught, basically. Yeah, I, I think, think 
the I think they call it like the red onslaught. I think so. I think so. And that's that was another. It's weird. I mean, maybe maybe the uh, maybe onslaught is the omen for me, like getting out of comics for a bit because it happened in the '90s. And also when Axis hit, I was just like, no, <laughs> I'm kind of the the fatigue was was very very real with the events. And I mean. It's only gotten worse, but at that point it was just like, okay, we we just can't do this <laughs> again and again and again. But onslaught is an interesting concept, an interesting character, if we can call him that, yeah, and a very good tool for the Way of X story, the story that Way of X wanted to tell. It was one of those macro, micro sort of situations where Nightcrawler was maybe not seeing the forest for the trees, where he was so dead set on finding out what these laws were all about. You know, he was exploring the laws. Legion told him to do as much, you know, check out the law, you know, look into these laws. And he kind of missed the bigger picture. And I think that the onslaught revelation is... uh, kind of getting a grasp on that bigger picture. And we'll we'll see that as we work our way through this issue today. Now, before I get into the synopsis, are there any other thoughts, uh, onslaughtian thoughts that you'd like to uh, to share? Um, not at the moment. I think okay. we'll get to the end. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, if anything comes to mind, please, please jump in. But uh, today's yeah. book, as mentioned, is X-Men, The Onslaught Revelation Number 1 at a November 2021 cover date. The story title is Alter Peace, Alter Peace, just spelled differently. Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Bob Quinn, colors Hava Tartaglia, letters VCs Clayton Counts, designs Tom Muller, head of X, for now is Hickman. Edits Andrews Ballesteros, Thomas Brunstad, White Sabolski, a big team of editors. Cover price $5. This one went on sale just shy of a month ago, September 22nd, 2021. Now, we open with a page of mostly narration about the sacred land that managed to dethrone death. And, of course, that's Krakoa. Now, all all the same, it's asking these questions that uh, we've been asking from the start, you know, vis-a-vis souls. You know, are these returned mutants the same people simply because they happen to look alike and have the same memories? You know, what is a soul? Maybe we'll we'll touch on that sort of thing at the uh, in our discussion portion here what is the soul as it pertains to a comic book character now we see several characters lining up to head somewhere now i put in here that i thought maybe this was the crucible killing grounds is is, is that what you got from it yeah i'm um, a little bit so it looks like an arena kind of mm-hmm like when they're going down like steps and it, to me it looked like the crucible where the crucible stuff happens um and uh, they all claim that they have wonderful ideas they have a wonderful idea that is drawing them to this place and among them we do see magneto pixie dr nemesis dazzler and many more faceless krakoans now the wonderful idea is the crucible and that's something we've heard a little bit about last issue, and I think we heard about it in the solicits as well. Now, Nightcrawler shows up, and he quickly bamfs in to nab Pixie and then teleports them both to a place called the Altar. He then nabs both, both Lost and Fabian Cortez as well. And uh, the Altar is that place that Legion built on Mars Araco where they could uh, be safe from Onslaughtian, onslaughtian influence. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. When I was rereading this issue, the art for that page stuck out to me a lot because Nightcrawler is in his like, pirate swashbuckler mm-hmm. garb, and I was wondering if that was a scene out of Amazing X Men, and I actually it took a side. Like yeah, so I took a side trip down to go back and review all five issues and realized, man, I love that series, but <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't find a matching panel. So maybe if I actually sit down to read it, read it. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was Jason Aaron, right? Um, I think it was Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Yeah, McGinnis. Oh, it was it was uh, such a fun series um during a time where the where the x books were a little <laughs> a little rough a little afterthoughty to get the the amazing x-men was pretty good pretty good now kurt he gets all uh cheese toasty with his explanation as to why he nabbed pixie now this was a uh, how he how he figured out that there is something amiss here it was via her change in having a favorite food back in issue one that sparked an idea in him and also a question now, if you recall, back there, she had mentioned just before she died that she loved cheese toasties. However, when she was resurrected, well, Kurt came to her with a cheese toastie, and she's like, nah, I don't crave that. She craved another food, the food that she craved before she decided she loved cheese toasties so much. So the cheese toastie craving was very new at the time of her death. So the question is, well, what happened to it? Now, Nightcrawler mentions here that if you were backed up on a Monday and you die on a Wednesday, what then happens to your Tuesday? Which is probably a bit more linear and easy to follow than the cheese toasty deal. Now, uh, Kurt suggests that, uh, you know, he eats those day, those lost days to grow stronger. And the he he is talking about is, of course, Onslaught. Legion then exercises Onslaught from Adapixie's head. The big bad rants on for a bit about how he's gotten his hooks into a thousand mutant skulls, and it ain't going to be all that easy to stop him. And thing of it is, Legion ain't scared. Instead, he just welcomes Onslaught to the altar. Yep. And the art, the, I guess it's a double page spread for the most part. Mm-hmm. This should have been a cover. I mean, a little more striking. Yeah. A little more graphic, and it's what comics would have been, like, 20 years ago when the mm-hmm. cover actually mattered. It's true. If not show you exactly what happened to the issue, it would at least be derived from what happened to the issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very, very st- – I mean, Bob Quinn um, is is uh, just a, a wonderful artist here. Uh, I felt so bad when um, reading the Cable uh, Reloaded issue, which had Bob Quinn art, and it just – it didn't feel like this Bob Quinn. It was like that, – that was a little bit looser. A little bit, um, I don't know, it just didn't look as good. But here, I mean, he's back on point, and it's it's really, really good to see. Now, it's here where we get a look into Onslaught's big plan, and it's a good one. It's a good plan. We, or, or I, talk a lot about the lack of stakes in these books. It's almost a meme at this point. And here, Spurrier has kind of found a way to organically introduce some. Now, you see, Onslaught is using his influence over Xavier to begin – Deleting backups. Hmm. Then at the crucible, everybody's gonna party, dance, yada yada yada. Then well, they're gonna kill each other just for the kicks. So, um, what happens when they die and the backups are gone? Uh, they're dead. 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 I guess as dead as a Marvel character can be. 
Now, apparently, Onslaught had been injected into a mutant by Orcus. Of course, we know Orcus, and this was done as sort of a Trojan horse. Now, Onslaught also, it would appear, knows about the No Place, where Mora hangs out. And I mean, it stands to reason, right? I mean, if he's shacked up in Charles's head, he would certainly be privy to a lot of the lesser known, you know, privileged information. But from here, we jump into our double page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Professor X, Pixie, Nightcrawler, Legion, Fabian Cortez, Lost, Magneto, Dazzler, and Dr. Nemesis. Now, from the uh, from the spread of cred, we jump to an info page. Thankfully, it's a Spurrier info page, so it's not awful. And this is the House of L, and it's a look into the altar. Now, here, it's it's a really cool throwback to um, Legion history, because we're reminded here a bit about how David Haller's mind actually works. Now, when he was introduced, I guess like the, the inch deep mile wide on Legion is multiple personalities or disassociative disassociative identity deal, right? That's kind of what we call it now. Now, rather than his being just a straightforward, you know, identity situation, it's that his mind is actually organized as its own functioning pocket universe. So all the disparate personalities and power sets of Legion are just hanging out and living and functioning. And that's how it was uh, from the start. So it's neat to get that call back here uh, with the House of L. Now, back to comics, and Nightcrawler checks in with Fabian and Lost. Now, we learn here that Cortez was somehow able to deliver the message of the spark to Nightcrawler, though we didn't see it happen. Um, now, last we saw, Kurt had died and been gold-balled, at which time Cortez, who was supposed to pass on the spark to him, had been rendered comatose and apparently kept in his coma for uh, reasons that we, we don't quite know. Mm-hmm. And with the scene here where Nightcrawler bamps in and startles him, he's asking for the bathroom, <laughs> and then he realizes, well, I don't think I need the bathroom anymore. Yep. <laughs> I know you've mentioned stuff like that. It's kind of low-hanging fruit for what should be funny. But yeah, I found it pretty amusing here because – even though I'm drawing attention to it, I think it was actually a lot more subtle than some of the attempts at humor. Oh, 100%. 100%. No, I mean, Spurrier is um, – he's an interesting writer here because, like, you ha- we have, like, a Zeb Wells who is just, like, inherently funny in Elver and Hellions. Like, it's like he can't help but, but not – you know, he can't help but to be funny. Mm-hmm. Spurrier is a lot more subtle, and it's like um, – it's – like you, like you ever know that guy at like at the office or or somewhere you'd hang out and he wouldn't talk much but when he did it was like you would laugh you know it, it would be the funniest thing you heard all day I feel like that's kind of Spurrier's style here where it's like he doesn't really show the humor all that much but when he does it's it catches you off guard to the point where it's like okay this is this is funny mm-hmm. I mean this. This isn't Hickman, you know, having Wolverine punch Modoc until he forgets the, the he forgets the story of Star Wars. And it's like, yeah, oh, that's that's not funny, Jonathan. <laughs> it's really not funny. Now, Cortez is not happy that he's stuck here with Lost. And he says, you know, hey, she tried to kill me on multiple occasions, which, I mean, stands to reason. Now, Lost, it's worth noting, is back in her I'm lost mode. Not really saying much, not making sense, not saying complete sentences, just over and over again, I'm lost. Uh, Nightcrawler tells Cortez that Lost 
tried to kill him because, well, she hates him. And she hates him because of his role in the deaths of her parents. You see, it was an acolyte mission, and um, I tried doing a little bit of research here to see if I could figure out maybe where this acolyte mission was. I mean, I don't know that it was actually one anywhere. Um, I think it might have been right before Fatal Attractions. Uh, You know, um, Fatal Attractions started with X-Factor 92, Mm -hmm. where we had Fabian Cortez kind of like grab... Quicksilver, it's like the son of Magneto, and it was a uh, you know that, that's what kicked off the return of Magneto and that big storyline. And didn't they I, kill a bunch of people in a hospital in that issue? Yes, yes. So that's what I'm thinking. This might be a reference to. I, I could be completely wrong. It could just be nebulous enough to where it could fit anywhere. I'm sure the acolytes have destroyed many hospitals in their time. So, uh, and I mean, Cortez was also a, an upstart. So he was killing people just for kicks anyway, and points and points, very important points. Now, uh, Cortez says that his war as an acolyte was a just one. And therefore any deaths that may have occurred during it were justifiable, which I mean, I guess if you tell yourself that enough, it uh, becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, from here, some of our side characters who we've bumped into on our Way of X journey pop back in to help facilitate this final Lost and Fabian confrontation. Of them, we see Stacy X, and we saw her at the orphanage back in issue three, maybe? I think it was three, the uh, the gala issue. Uh, Dust, who we saw help out on Mars. The Zorns, who we've seen all throughout the series. And Gorgon, who and together they force Fabes and Lost into their own little corner of the altar. Cortez is uh, terrified and lost while she kindly takes his hand to comfort him. Now, let's not uh, get it twisted here. She still hates him, but she's still willing to comfort him when she thinks he needs it. We jump back over to the Crucible, where Pixie starts jamming her soul dagger into the faces of the rest of the Way of X cast. Now, this frees them from their Onslauntian, Onslauntian, why am I adding an extra end to that word, Onslauntian influence? And so we've got Blink, Dazzler, Nemesis, Loa, and DJ. And, you know, before we go on, Blink was a character. I remember all throughout the 90s, we were begging to have Blink come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't, but people were. People were like, oh, we need Blink back. Now she's back and nobody cares. Uh, Mm -hmm. It feels like such uh, an afterthought. Um, It was the same with... uh, like magic coming back. I mean, magic's still a big character, of course, but mm-hmm. it's like people were just frothing at the at the mouth, it's like, oh, we want magic back. And then she's back, and it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. Uh, like Blink, I mainly knew from the Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where people like really got to love the character because before that, she was only like in like five pages of Generation Next. You know, the lead up to uh, to the you know, the Phalanx Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, she blew herself up on a boat or something to save the rest of Generation X. Yeah, so she was uh, in and out. But uh, here she's back, and I feel like nobody cares. I don't know. Now, as their minds clear up, they begin to realize just how sick this Crucible event was going to get. Dazzler even mentions how she was going to sing a song about kissing with knives. Now, (laughs) that would not be pleasant. Uh, Pixie informs them that at midnight, everyone was going to murder everyone else just for the thrill of it. Of course, we got to remember, death ain't no big thing. As uh, you know, we've seen in this very series, Pixie herself was mocked for not having uh, popped her resurrection cherry, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, death, no big deal. Rite of passage, coming of age, something that you, you do. Only now, 
well, the cast, you know, might not know it completely yet, but Onslaught's done erased a bunch of the backups. So the Cruciballers don't realize that this, this death might just be a one-way trip. Now, next, we go back to Nightcrawler, and he performs a bit of a monologue, which, if I'm being honest, uh, might have gone on a bit too long. Yep, I definitely concur on that. Yeah, it's like a parable about a fish, which... You know, because the action that we're seeing here is, is pretty bombastic stuff, right? But then we get this story about a fish, which is overlaid over the top of it. I had to read this thing several times over because I don't think it flowed that well with the art. Like the rest of the story beats that were occurring at the same time, it was just like, wait, wait, we're still talking about a fish? What, what, a whale? A shark? What is this? What is this? Uh, what, did, what did you think about uh, about this, uh, this weird little parable here? Yeah, about the same. Like I had to read it a couple times over to really make much sense of it and even now i'd have to kind of reread it yeah exactly because <laughs> it's one of those things that in and of itself i like it but mm-hmm. sure trying to remember it so it's yeah. definitely parable territory for sure for sure yeah it was um it was an odd one and it kind of uh like when you lose when you lose yourself in midstream of a story especially a story that we're being that has been built to for five issues beforehand it's just like where where are we i just didn't know Anyway, now now the story here that Nightcrawler is telling, it it facilitates Fabian Cortez sharing his secret origin and also the fact that he's hated himself for as long as he can remember. So a little Jeff Johnsy, a little Jeff Johns roguey, right? A little bit of a we're uh, learning to um, maybe not so much identify, but maybe empathize. Yeah, kind of appreciate his side. Certainly. Sympathize, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and I mean, Fabian Cortez is a character who I don't know. I, I think I talked about this with Quentin Quire not too long ago. He's like the character that you you like having him around, but you also like to dislike him. Mm-hmm. So it's like Quentin Quire, he's he's a little jerk, and it's like, but you love him for it. Uh, Fabian Cortez is this arrogant prick, but you love him for it. It's like you need that. Uh, he's a necessary evil, you know. He's a he's a necessary little devil in the details here. It's like, oh, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. But here we're starting to feel for him, and it's a uh, it's going to continue. Uh, you see, his whole deal is he was born into privilege, and uh, upon development of his mutant abilities, he was overjoyed that he now had something to fight for. But Here's the thing. If you know anything about Fabian Cortez's powers, you know that his powers only serve to boost the powers of the mutants around him. Therefore, well, he's never going to be anything more than a supporting background character, even in his own story. Now, as such, he realized that if he's forced to stand in anyone's shadow, well, it damn well better be the biggest shadow he can find. Enter Magneto. And this gives us a nice little scene shift to Magneto in the here and now. Now, given the famine to feast, back to famine nature of the X-Books right now in current current pacing, I can't tell you when this scene is taking place. Um, it's certainly post-gala because Mars Araco is a thing. And if it is post-gala, Wanda's already dead. So is this post-trial of Magneto, pre-trial of Magneto, during the trial of Magneto? I don't know. What, what say you? I'm with you on that because <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. But, yeah, 
with the being after the the gala, then mm-hmm. we went right into trial of Magneto from that. So yeah. don't quite know where this fits. So I think not knowing any differently, I'd guess maybe this takes place after, but that's yeah. just me being random and the slightest indication otherwise, and I'd probably flip. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because I mean. And it's so it's so strange the pacing we get here, and I, I'm guessing a lot of these pieces are falling into place because of the the upcoming Hickman departure, mm-hmm. where it's like okay we got to get everything we got to get every deck cleared you know everything's got to be cleared up here, so we have, you know we go from issues and issues and issues of like really not a whole lot happening. I mean X Force we have them fighting plants over and over again, we have them fighting Russians over and over again. Nothing really happens, but then it's like no no no. We got to do this now. Everything has to happen all at once. And here we are. We got the trial. We got Onslaught. We got uh, Inferno all happening at the same time. And it's yeah. just, I it's insane. Three event issues like three weeks in a row. It's them. true. It's true. It's just, it's insane. Now, anyway, Pixie hurls her soul dagger right between Magneto's eyes, which uh, frees him of his Onslaughtian influence. And now he comes to the realization that, uh, you know what? Stakes have been introduced here. And so he attempts to reach Professor X. But Chuck gives him the slip, popping out of a secret back door and then scurrying down the hall. Back to Cortez, who might just be engaging in a little bit of revisionist history here. Now, the story he tells is that he was a devoted follower of Magneto to almost a cult-like level. Not exactly true. Um, Back in the long ago, he was more portrayed as being something of a usurper, right? I mean, he was really only trying to use Magneto to further his own cause. Uh, He was trying to, like, take the Acolytes out from under him, basically, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, because I kind of remember him sort of leading them to him, but then Mm -hmm. trying to take Magneto off the board as a martyr so that— He could take Magneto's place, but use Magneto's influence. Absolutely, the the iconography of of Magneto's helmet was a was a pretty big deal. I remember it on a table, which which always looked so cool. And when Magneto woke up, you had him like you had him walk over, and like the the, the helmet came over to his hand. A really really cool, very cinematic scene before they did cinematic scenes uh, from back in '93 or so. Now, in any event, after his story is told. Lost tells him that while she does not forgive him for what he did, she no longer hates him. And it's at this point that uh, the literal spark enters Lost's body, and it looks like a spark, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we jump back to the ball. Dr. Nemesis is uh, – um, well, let me see if I can get through this here. Whew, he's handing out psychedelic mushrooms to the partygoers from the top of his head um and he does this in order to muddle onslaught's commands to them good idea still disgusting still Mm -hmm. the worst thing in the world i mean thankfully though dazzler shows up to tell this nasty headed dude to put his damn hat back on thank you dazzler i i've never disliked dazzler but i've never liked her more than right now (laughs) getting that hat back on dr nemesis nasty head she then hops on stage with a DJ acting as the DJ. You see, our cast, uh, our cast is kind of pied pipering the uh, cruciballers to Mars Araco, where they can, you know, party at the altar. And that's exactly what we see them doing in an Escher painting that is the onslaught-free zone. 
We hop back to Lost, and uh, while imbued with the spark, she shares a bit more about her own secret origin. And you see, this is where it gets a little bit... uh, We learn a lot here. We don't learn a lot really about her life and times, but we do learn about a pretty important event that is informed, well, basically this entire series. Now, you see, she had been taken in by Orcus, and they had done things to her. Now, she was, it for all intents, the Trojan horse that brought Onslaught into her koa. Onslaught would feed off of her hatred for Cortez, but now, since she doesn't actually hate him anymore, the big bad's going to have to take another tack. And Onslaught here is purged from Lost and goes back to uh, some familiar territory, some uh, putting on that comfortable pair of jeans here. He's going to be an amalgamation of Professor X and Magneto again, once again taking over and merging their bodies into one. And here is where the story kind of falls apart for me. Um, the way of Xers managed to defeat Onslaught via the Care Bear Stare, basically. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Um, the mutants simply acknowledge that he exists as their dark side. Which, I mean, that might be a callback to the urban legend of the Patchwork Man, where, you know, the Patchwork Man was something that they didn't believe was real, was kind of on the fringes. But the more he was spoken about, the more power he seemed to get, the deeper his claws seemed to get into the youth of Krakoa. So maybe it was in the acceptance that we all have a darker side that the mutants were able to defeat it and make it shrink down to a tiny worm and then crush it. Maybe. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I kind of took it a little bit as by them acknowledging him that everyone sort of took part of him back. And mm-hmm. there's like, while he was his own entity, wouldn't be able to stop him. Mm-hmm. But as everyone sort of reclaimed, their darkness from him or his influence that weakened him. Okay, I like that better than my idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, the original onslaught where the Avengers and Fantastic Four and everyone had to jump into his psionic energy to mm-hmm. give it a physical form. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of it kind of like that. I mean, obviously not the exact same thing, but sure. sort of along those lines. I think you're. I think you're. You're right on the mark there. Uh, from here, we jump into an info page, and it's an excerpt from the Book of the Spark. It's no longer the Book of Redacted. Mm-hmm. And it's made clear here that the Spark is not a religion so much as it is a philosophy. And this takes us right into our back our wrap-up. And uh, it's about two months later. Uh, Legion's altar is still a thing, and it's now being overseen by Lost and a far kinder, far gentler Fabian Cortez. Kurt now sports a full beard, and he meets up with Legion to discuss his next big plan. You see, he's wanting to use the altar as a headquarters for his uh, team of sort of, kind of, not really, but definitely sort of our Krakoan police. Uh, now, Legion calls him out, it's like saying, yeah, it's a police force. Uh, Nightcrawler is not so keen on, uh, on you know, being referred to as such. But, I mean, let's be honest, it's not far off. Now, Legion asks what he's going to call his crew, and he suggests peacekeepers, shepherds, perhaps even mutant Jedi. But no, Kurt's team will be uh, not the Legionnaires, which I think I've called them the past several episodes. It's actually the Legionaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, we turn the page here and we get our um, preview here. And uh, it says they keep the peace or we keep the peace. We keep the law. We keep the spark. Mm -hmm. And I like the. For the legionaries, because you get legion there, but a nice play on luminary. Mm-hmm. 
And I'd actually look up the definition because when I first thought of that, I was like, well, does that actually fit? But the definition I found is a person who inspires or influences others, especially one prominent in a particular sphere. And then another definition was, or the, the definition of a luminary is an object given off light or a personality that is well known or enlightening to mankind. And I think that's very appropriate here for night. Oh, call. totally apt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think of that. But yeah, that is um, that's right on the money there. That's mm-hmm. that's got to be it. Now we do get a sneak peek of our new team, and uh, I've mentioned this uh, once or twice on the show already. But uh, it's uh, quite an eclectic team. We've got Nightcrawler, of course, and then from left to right we got Doctor Nemesis, Pixie, Juggernaut, Forget Me Not, and Blindfold. I mean, what a crazy team. I, I can't wait. I think this is going to be an absolute blast. Um, a very curious team. Um, you know, could it be that they're operating out of the altar? Uh, could that be a way to get around some Krakulin laws? Uh, we know from the Juggernaut miniseries that uh, Juggernaut ain't uh, ain't allowed on Krakoa. You know, nobody wants him on there. And also, Blindfold is a precog. And, you know, via Mora's uh, rule, that's a big no-no. So uh, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll be finding out. But it's uh, something I am definitely looking forward to. It definitely softens the sting of uh, having Way of X taken away. You know, mm-hmm. uh, having – because, I mean, it's basically not even ending at all. It's taking a little bit of a break. It's coming back as something else. And, uh, you know, next. You know, it's the next thing. So really looking forward to it. How, how about you? Yeah, I'm hoping the – like that, the way of X ultimately, as a footnote, becomes sort of the prologue to this series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that we get the same kind of quality and depth and all that. Oh yeah. And looking at the picture for the coming soon with the Juggernaut, it puts me in mind of the all new Exiles from the Ultraverse mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. In, must have been ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, probably. Just because, like that was my main introduction to the Juggernaut. Other okay. than his being punched across the country, but, <laughs> but seeing him so prominently on so many covers in those mm-hmm. Ultimates comics. Oh yeah, haven't actually sure. read most of those yet, but yeah, just seeing the character and seeing that is like, well, in a way, maybe this is a different all new Exiles or all newest, more nower. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could very well be. It's it's a very interesting team. I mean. Uh, forget me not. Uh, that's that's a fun character. I do wonder how they're gonna work that. I don't know if it's gonna be like a, because I mean he is basically ripe for uh, running gag territory. Where it's like every time every issue could start with them being reintroduced to him. It's like oh hey nice to meet you. It's like yeah again okay. I mean that could be funny. Uh, then again it could be really annoying. But <laughs> who knows? But uh. I I think you're right on the money there with Way of X being kind of prologue to Legionaries. And um, I think we're going to be surprised by the next bunch of launches here since I think, um, especially since X attends, uh, the whole reign of X feels like it's been, and I have no insider knowledge, of course, but I feel like it's been a weird balancing act between adhering to Hickman's plan and trying to do things their own way. Mm-hmm. Where, like, Dawn of X was totally Hickman's plan. That's how I look back at it. Um, Reign of X is kind of this weird, not so much a butting of heads, but like a 
mutual respect for everybody's opinions and directions that they want to take the, the, the books in where they want to adhere to what the original vision was to an extent, but they also want to do their own thing. I think with whatever's coming, we don't have a name for it yet. Uh, we don't know what it'll be something of X, I'm sure, but we don't know what it is. But I think that's going to be very exciting because we might be outside the framework at that point. You know, um, we might get answers to many of our questions during Inferno. Uh, we might wind up with no more questions after Inferno from for all we know from uh, what was introduced during Hoxbox. So we might be working for the first time without a net. And uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting. I think I'm definitely definitely looking forward to January and February. I think it's going to be really good stuff. Um, now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, next episode is Inferno. So we're going to kick that off. It's going to be I was going to say it's going to be a lot of fun, but I don't know yet. I haven't read it. So uh, I hope it'll be fun. I hope it'll be interesting. But uh, we will uh, digress uh, until until then. But uh, for now. Talk a little bit about this issue here. Um, my initial thoughts were kind of mixed. Um, this wasn't what I wanted from the series, from the series finale of A Way of X. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that it really couldn't be anything but this. Because we do have so many. I mean, we're, we're juggling chainsaws at this point with all these big, huge stories that are going on. Um, mentioned it earlier. We got Inferno. We got The Trial. We've got uh, The Onslaught Revelation. Big, mm-hmm. big stories that should have each gotten their own like moment to shine, in my opinion. But uh didn't work that way. Yeah, they're all so, crammed together. All crammed together. I mean, uh, two episodes in a row is, is Onslaught and Inferno. That's, that, that's crammed. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I was thinking that I wanted from this. But with everything that's going on, it really couldn't be anything more than this. Because this can't be affecting everything. Because everything else is affecting everything. So mm-hmm. this was kind of... Of the three, perhaps the more low-key. And, I mean, it is a one-shot as compared to a five- or four-issue miniseries. So, yes, it is smaller in stature as well as import, but um, a little bit mixed. Um, Let's talk about some of the beats here. Now, we talk about stakes a lot, too much. Deleting the backups, aren't there other Cerebro cradles? I think so. But one of my thoughts on seeing it up for that was mm. that it could be that by Xavier manually deleting them, you get the cascade effect where it's like okay. sort of delete it, delete the primary, and then they back up the fact that from the deleted. primary. Yeah, that could be. That could be because I know over in X Force we did um, we did find out that the Cerebro Sword still has some data on it. It's just encrypted. So it's like, even though that's like far away from Krakoa, it still has data, which is weird. And we also have the Shi'ar logic crystals, which are kind of like the hard drives, right? Those are kind of where, that's where like the the essences are. Like that's where they're kept up as a hard backup. So I, I don't know that, I mean, there's still got to be backups. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, I think, anyway. Um while thinking about backups here, are there tiers of cerebronic backups? Uh, Nightcrawler mentions the lost day, you know, uh, the cheese toasty uh, effect, right? Uh, you die on a you're, – you're backed up on a Monday. You die on a Wednesday. Therefore, no Tuesday. Tuesday never happened even though you lived it. You know, whatever happened on it didn't matter. Are there 
tiers. Are there some characters who might get uh, preferential, maybe not preferential, but more prolific backups here? Uh, like for the frontliners, the essentials, the more at-risk Krakowans here. Would, I mean, and you, you put a note in here, which is perfect. Would a member of X-Force be backed up three times a day? Yeah, because with how dangerous stuff is that they get into and mm-hmm. doing their exemption killing and sure. stuff, and they're likely to get killed. I mean, mm-hmm. Wolverine, yeah, wasn't it an issue of X-Force where Wolverine got cut in half by the portal? Yeah, yeah, and, and Quentin Quire has died uh, hundreds of times. Like, mm-hmm. literally, they said he's died hundreds of times. Are we to assume that they go back to, like, the one backup from a week ago? I don't know. It seems seems weird, especially with the prolificity of the deaths here. It's like he was dying like daily for a bit where every time he would die, he's like, yeah, give me a different haircut. Give me a different eye color. Give me a different uh, give me a different peck size. You know, he was just like using it as like a vanity thing. It's it just seems odd that that the cheese toasty effect could be a thing. You know, you'd think that Xavier, unless uh, I mean. We could talk about the fact that perhaps the Krakoans are nothing more than toy soldiers. You know, it's like you're here to serve a cause. You're here to do what we need you to do for this island to survive here. Whether or not you come back as the same person with all your memories, don't care. You know, Xavier might not care uh, about that sort of a thing here. Mora might not care. Magneto might not even know, you know, so and it's like interesting. Your game could be like, where when you're playing the game, you get to a certain point where, okay, start saving more frequently because you know something's yes. going to happen here. <laughs> yep. Like, what? And so you don't want to – you just lose your progress. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to lose hours of progress or mm-hmm. maybe lose five minutes of progress depending on sure what you're facing in the game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like it would be smarter to – like, just have a constant backup going. Uh, I mean, there are 200,000 mutants on Krakoa. Get, get you know, a few thousand of them to sit in a room <laughs> and run backups constantly. Have um, a buffer so that, like, you don't wind up with streams getting crossed for... Sure, action. sure. Not backing someone up that's going into danger, but if you have mm-hmm. a safe space for it, then well, yeah. back them up regularly and have a buffer before you get rid of the old backups to make sure mm-hmm. that no one died in between. But like, you'd almost assume like every time they'd walk through a Krakoan gateway, a backup would happen, you know, like Sage is watching them. It's like, okay, Wolverine just came back, backed up. Okay, good. Keep going. Yeah. I, don't know. I like that. <laughs> idea. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. Maybe, maybe they'll do that in whatever the, whatever the X comes next. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, pacing here. Uh, we talk a lot about decompression. This felt a little too compressed, oddly paced. Um, given the, relatively speaking, slow burn of Way of X, uh, where everything was very, very meticulous, uh, there really wasn't a wasted page in Way of X, uh, where like everything that needed to be addressed was addressed and wasn't done in an inorganic sort of way. It was kind of like we were taken by the hand and we were walked through and everything hit. But here, it was just like someone shot the gun in the air and we ran. You know, it was just uh, really, really oddly paced. How, how, what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, definitely very compressed. And like 
look at the Hellfire Gala where mm-hmm. that was what nine or ten books. That was I think uh, twelve books. Okay. Yeah, a biggie. Yeah, and of course the X of Swords with twenty two <gasps> chapters. Yep. And so it seems almost a shame that this didn't get at least two or three issues because mm-hmm. I could see something like this where if it was better timed where it easily could branch out into the different titles you could see the characters having the brilliant idea and mm-hmm. sort of their reactions to almost being killed without a backup or sure sure or even just other influences of onslaught kind of getting his hooks into them yeah and, i mean it could be kind of like uh like those issues right before secret wars back in uh 80 whatever it was where it's like oh i'm gonna go to a battle world and they just disappear and it's like that could be the thing. Oh, I have this great idea, and they they leave. <laughs> it's yeah. like where did where did Loa go? Uh, pick up, you know, uh, Wave X number six or Onslaught uh, Revelation number one. Mm-hmm. It would have been a neat thing to do, I think. Um, I, I really feel like this was a victim of uh, a victim of the goings on in editorial. Yeah, and not a fault of really anybody. You know, uh, you, you gotta. Uh, you know, I'm never kind to editorial, but uh, I feel like I feel like they kind of had a bomb dropped on them uh, of late. And it's like, OK, well, we got to we got to figure out where we're at. And, um, you know, that's something that's that's something that X fans are not um, strangers of when it comes to editorial having bombs dropped on them. You know, it's like, hey, everybody left. <laughs> OK, um, who's writing X-Men next month? I don't know. You know, it's it's. Something that happens. Um, I feel like this was overly reliant on narration. Not only was it compressed, but there was a lot of narration here. How, how about you? What do you think? Yeah, definitely a lot of that. And while I was thinking about it, it could be veering a, a little bit into, I'm not sure the best pronunciation, mm-hmm. mystery style. Mm-hmm. It's like where like in a way parts of this issue could almost be info pages later as excerpts from the book of the spark. Sure. It's like here, they're recounting stuff like here's this momentous event that went down and they didn't know what was going to be happening and kind of had a little bit of that kind of tone, like someone speaking to people after the fact about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're probably right there. You're probably right. It just for something that was built to, to the and I mean maybe maybe I'm just over romanticizing the story here. It just feels like uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know what I wanted from this issue. I just know I didn't necessarily didn't necessarily get it. Um, uh, I feel like onslaught being the big threat here didn't really do all that much. How about you? Yeah, because he's kind of there. They oust him. Then mm-hmm. he makes his big threat takes over Xavier Magneto and then everyone claims a piece of him and that's that. Yeah. And it's like going from a character that terrorized the entirety of the Marvel universe 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. kind in a way being introduced, fought and defeated and having room for epilogue all within one issue. Yeah. It's definitely the, uh, it's the old, uh, you know, gotta gotta show who's better now, sort of a thing where mm-hmm. you, know, you get jobbed out when you come back. And I mean, onslaught is more of a concept than a character. Um, 
I like the idea of Onslaught. I love the way they were using him here throughout Way of X as the as the patchwork man, as the just the the, the boogeyman basically. I, I really like that, but I don't know. I don't know. Um I don't I don't like I said, I don't think this was anybody's fault. Um yeah, the editorial office is juggling chainsaws and hoping not to lose a finger. So it's uh, a tough road to hoe here. Uh, one thing, we, we actually talked about this a bit off the air, and it's something that we've talked about on the show as well. Um, uh, most recently, maybe when we did that man thing one shot. Um, oh, yeah. Something uh, something called the number one trap here. Because uh, if you were a curious sort and uh, you weren't actually following the X-Books, much less a book like Way of X, which is kind of down the pecking order as far as mainstream or, you know, uh, flagship X titles are concerned. Maybe you see the cover and you were tempted to pick this up because, hey, Onslaught was a big deal. I remember Onslaught from the 90s and uh, you picked this issue up. What do you think they would see when they open this book? You'd think it would be like an introduction and mm-hmm. a little bit of prologue and catching you up and telling you what's going to go down and not just find yourself with the sixth issue of a series that you don't have one through five. Yep. <laughs> it's very, very true. I mean, it's, you'd be lost. You, and I mean, not, no pun intended to our, uh, to our new character friend and all, but, uh, um, we talk about unethical cash grabs, you know, the number one, uh, trap, the number one effect, I feel like this might be one of the more unethical ones in recent uh, X or Marvel sales, right? Um, I, I mean, if this was Way of X number six, it'd be a fine, it'd be fine, perfectly fine the way it was here. Yeah. But it's like it says number one on the cover. I I, fee- I really feel for people who, and it's a five dollar book on top of it. Yeah, and you'd think the it's a miniseries for that because of course mm-hmm. Marvel's first issues are four ninety nine. Yep. And you'd think a one shot would be five ninety nine or yeah, I think so. Something. Yeah. So you'd uh, you would think that you're going to get a story, and you are getting a story, and it's a story that pays off a story you didn't read, but it is uh, it's a story, and I, yeah, I just feel bad. I feel bad for people who would have uh, who would have maybe came into because. You know, it's like we talked about with uh, X-Factor number 10. You know, X-Factor number 10, I've talked about this before. X-Factor was not a high-selling book. It was not burning up the sales charts. People were not caring about this book until Marvel spoiled that the Scarlet Witch died in number 10. And then everybody was an X-Factor fan. Everybody ran to the store and they ransacked the shelves. Cool. You know, cool. If we get more rise on X-Factor, that's excellent. But it wasn't a good X-Factor issue. Yeah, and being the last issue, then mm-hmm. where do you where go, do you from, go from there? Exactly. It wasn't a good issue. It wasn't the best representation of what X Factor was. Here, you get a looky loo or a curious party coming in to pick up an onslaught issue. What they get instead is the sixth issue of Way of X, and it's not the best. In it's not what Way of X is all about. It's mm-hmm. not the best. It, it's not the best look that Way of X had throughout its run. Way of X was a wonderful story. Um, it's up there with Hellions as my favorite X book of this era. But this issue wasn't the best representation of that series. And I feel like it does it a disservice if you bring in curious people and they read this and it's like, 
well, what was the big deal about Way of X? Eh, it wasn't that great. You're really missing out. I mean, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, it's kind of like you're watching something on TV and maybe a football game runs long or something. Mm-hmm. You flip over to catch the end of a show and or you saw a commercial that hey, big episode tonight. You flip over and oh, this looks like interesting action, but what's going on here? And oh yep. wait, this is the season finale. Yep. Advertising, maybe that would be the start of the season. Exactly, exactly. It's a uh, it's a little bit uh, a little bit icky from uh, Marvel's end here, but nothing outside the realm of possibilities. And, and you not a note to let you know, like hey, go back and read Way of X five or at least Way of X number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just not. I mean, there is one editorial footnote here about Fabian Cortez being put in a coma or being kept in a coma, but. We also don't see how he got out of it. It's, I don't know. It's it's weird. Uh, you know, and I think about, you know, we talk about the the feast of events we're getting now. We have an embarrassment of riches as it pertains to events and uh, big stories right now. Trial of Magneto. It's not an arc of X Factor, which it was supposed to be initially, but it's not. But with the five issues they're getting, they're, they have enough time to catch a potential new reader up or a looky-loo, right, before progressing into the story. Someone who maybe picked up number 10 because they found out Wanda died, and they want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. With with Trial of Magneto number one, you get a little bit of background, right? It's not like a you'd better have read everything because it was really just piggybacking off of one story beat that was one page long in X-Factor number 10. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, and with the trial, I forget, is it going to be four issues or five issues? That one, I believe, is five issues. Okay. But, yeah, you get the space of an entire arc, so you pick up the first issue, and you get dumped in, but you pick up a little bit as you go along, and then mm-hmm. the later issues, there's still more room to fill you in. Absolutely. An onslaught one-shot that not only doesn't it doesn't start you off on a big event story, that you figure, hey, it's a series, but it's done in one. Yeah, I mean, the, the context. And exactly, exactly, for sure. And uh, I think I've kind of said my uh, my piece on this issue. What what do you what thoughts do you have to uh, kind of take us home? Um, I was definitely expecting a lot out of it, and even just by the name of the onslaught revelation, mm-hmm. a lot of my nostalgia buttons, and even got me reinterested in the old stuff with Onslaught. Sure. I was kind of like with the rest of Way of X, I was definitely expecting something huge and magnificent <laughs> and overhyped myself a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that, that's like one of those things that's kind of unfair to hold against a creator when we over our hype ourselves. And I think as, as fans, we, we tend to do that a lot. Uh, so, I mean, I, it's like I said before, I don't know what I wanted. <laughs> I just know I didn't get it, but I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. You go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> But yeah, it's like I had built so much up in my head for what it could be and just the expectation. And so it didn't quite get there. But I mean, for having read Way of X and following the X books in general, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And I'm, it didn't really phase me to pay $4.99 for it. I feel sure. like I got my money's worth out of it. Sure. And I mean, it's definitely a little heftier issue. Not a whole yeah. lot. It's a yeah. bit thicker. It's a bit thicker for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Now, um, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, take it over to, uh, you know, the uh, the other stuff I do? I'm out of hand. I think we want to pretty much cover it as we went along. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, um, we're not going to do a mailbag today. We have a couple of letters uh, hanging in the uh, in the wings, but we'll get to them. Uh, well, maybe not even next time. I don't know what uh, Inferno might take a long time to talk about. Then again, maybe it won't. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's a uh, Sometimes an issue I don't think I'm going to talk a lot about takes 45 minutes to get through. Other times it, uh, uh, where it could be one where I think it's going to be a lot of discussion and I finish the synopsis and it's like, I've only talked for five minutes. So you never know, but, uh, we will see when we get there here. But, um, since we're not doing mailbag, I still do want to thank everyone, uh, on social media for sharing their thoughts and, uh, for sharing the show and helping to raise the profile of this little program here. Over on Twitter, I want to thank Into the Weird. I want to thank Walt Neeland, of course. I want to thank GPN901, Chris Bailey, Jesse DeYoung, Billy D, Dave Schultz, Joe, Joe Crawford, Jeremiah, uh, Wayne Burroughs, Longbox Crusade, and Jason Colby. I, I gave Joe a second Joe. Joe Joe Crawford. I apologize, Joe. Uh, over on Facebook, I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Jesse DeYoung, Walt Neeland, and Billy D. It's all. It always means so much to me when folks uh, engage with the program, and um, it makes me feel less alone. <laughs> it's kind of a thing. And now I get to tell someone face-to-face that I appreciate what you do. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, while I'm thanking people, let's do Patreon stuff. Patreon.com slash xlapsed. Got some awesome supporters over there, including the the fellow I'm talking to right now. We got uh, Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse Young, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. Your support means the world to me. Your believing in me means the world to me. And your sticking with me is just hard to put into words how uh, how that makes me feel. So uh, thank you all so much. And thank you, Walt. You're, you're right here looking at me. So thank you. <laughs> um before we get out of here, we do have a little bit of news, tangentially X-related here. One is, um, well, part of my new obsession uh, with uh, reading comics news. And the other is uh, something that, uh, well, something that caught me by surprise. Um, and something that uh, I don't remember if I ever made an assumption on this. But when Jonathan Hickman said he was leaving the X-Men, it came right around the time where his Substack was announced, right? Yeah. Where a lot of people were thinking like, ah, he's just ditching Marvel. He's ditching the X-Men. He's going to do his own thing. Screw this guy. But he said, Substack has nothing to do with me leaving the X-Men. And people didn't really believe it. I didn't believe it. You know, it's like, of course, you just want to do your own thing. Fine. Do your thing. Well, he ain't leaving Marvel. He's actually going to be taking on a new Marvel assignment with one of my top three artists in comics, Chris Bacallo, on art. Um, that sounds interesting. And as soon as I saw this in the news, I figured it's like, oh, it's probably going to be Amazing Spider-Man because I just added that to my poll. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to escape him. Uh, not that I am dreading a Hickman Spider-Man, if that is the case, Uh but uh, high concept Spider-Man just isn't something I'm in the mood for here. What say you? Do you have any um, you have any theories on what title, what unnamed title this might be? Uh, and uh, if it is Spider-Man, what do you think about that? Uh, no real guesses. Like this was news to me, but I think it could be kind of interesting. And I've actually been getting Spider-Man since about issue 54 of the current run. I've only okay. read maybe about seven or eight of the issues, but. Mm-hmm. And getting it, and so yeah, if he winds up on that, then 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. Might mean spider info pages, but <laughs> that I'm along for the ride. I was going to drop mm-hmm. with the issue 74 when the previous writer left, but mm-hmm. decided what the hey, I'm all in on the Xbox. I'll I'll jump in for Amazing Spider-Man going like almost weekly. Yeah, I mean it's it's like five issues a month, some months. Um, I was I was psyched to see that Zeb Wells is the uh, first writer on it, but uh, I guess they're going back to um, not so much the brand new day continuity, but the brand new day brain trust, where it'll be like a, a one writer and artist do like a three issue arc that fills a month, then. Then they'll hand it off to the next creative team that does it for a month, and they'll hand it to the next one, and then maybe rotate back around. It seems like it could be interesting. I know they're doing like the Spider-Man Beyond is like the the big the big draw right now. So yeah, apparently, yeah, I don't know if maybe I mean, man, this is fully fully talking out my backside here. Maybe they're going to use be whatever Beyond is to clear the deck for Hickman. Maybe Hickman's doing Doctor Strange. Maybe he's doing the. Uh, maybe he's going back to the Avengers. I mean, who knows? He could be going anywhere. I mean, uh, how, aren't we up to like two Eternals books now? Maybe we need three or four more of those. I, I really don't know. Especially since, um, I guess like rumor has it that Hickman's plan was to do the story that we're reading in X Men as an Eternals riff. Um, which I mean, I don't care about the Eternals, but uh, that's interesting, I guess. But that's one piece of news. The other thing here is just something I've been obsessed with because, uh, I don't know, I, this feels like a uh, almost seminal moment in, in comics history here. And it has nothing to do with the books themselves. Well, it has to do with the condition of the books. Yeah. Penguin Random House. We got some more news here. Now, they haven't taken long to attempt to make good on their horrendous shipments over the past couple of weeks here. We hear that replacement copies are headed out. And they appear to be shipped with far better care than the originals. Uh, what have you heard about Penguin's um, mangling of the first couple of weeks here? And have you been to a comic shop in the past couple of weeks to see uh, how these books might have shown up? Yeah, that kind of sums it up as I'm getting mangled from all the pictures I've heard and <laughs> or yep. pictures I've seen, stories I've heard. Sure. And, yeah, I haven't really seen – issues mangled so maybe my comic shop just got lucky mm-hmm. or maybe they didn't have as much out as they usually would and they just put out the saleable stuff okay. i don't usually worry too much about condition as long as it's not like obviously mangled sure sure everything but but yeah their shipping sounds like they're treating the first run comics the way amazon treats paperback graphic novels where it's like oh let's just they don't care at all yeah, yeah as long as they get there mm-hmm. and no regard for the fact that you're buying it as a brand new item. You're expecting pristine condition. Sure. And then when it shows up all dinged up or scuffed or folded or mm-hmm. or whatever, it's like that's not what I'm paying four bucks an issue, five bucks, ten bucks an issue sure. for. Yeah, because, I mean, the, I think last week the big deal was that uh, Immortal Hulk 50 came out. That's a $10 book. And a lot of the images we saw were of the mangled Immortal Hulk 50, which and, – and, I mean, we talked about this uh, a few episodes back where Penguin Random House said that dents and dings don't warrant returns. And it's like, yeah. wow. I, I mean, we're we're a, a hobby in an industry that is um, very, very respectful of condition, you know? I mean – 
I, if we look at the past 85 years of comics history, there's probably like 2,000 comics that are like life-changing insofar as value, right? Everything else is like, oh, well, I could uh, – I, I could take a vacation. You know, it's not like life changing. It's not Action Comics 1. It ain't Detective 27. You know, it ain't Amazing Fantasy 15. There are only a handful of books that actually matter for value, but we still want them to be worth something. You know, we don't want to pay $10 for garbage, <laughs> which yeah. if you look at some of these some of these spines, because, I mean, this is a that, that incredible Hulk, the Immortal Hulk has like a spine. It's so thick. It the spines are just absolutely mangled, and I mean, you just you don't want to. I, I don't know how a shop owner can look someone in the eye and be like, "Yes, this does look like garbage," and yes, it's still full price. Mm-hmm. Mm, just seems weird. Um, now, for whatever reason here, despite having said throughout 2021 that uh, Penguin Random House would have its own dedicated comics like warehouse network or distribution for the comics. It would appear that they still shipped from their regular book warehouse network, which, um, you know, the uh, books and comics can be shipped differently, I think. Uh, not talking about trades, not talking about graphic novels, but like your your regular softcover novel, your regular hardcover, your regular, uh, you know, piece of nonfiction. They'll get loaded into a box, sent to a, a Barnes & Noble, sent to a Books A Million, sent to wherever. Yeah. The... The, the condition doesn't matter quite as much as as I mean like periodicals are mailed like magazines nobody cares about a condition of a magazine unless you're crazy like we are you know people don't really care about that but a comic book where we've been trained to think that they are supposed to maintain a value and maintain a certain level of pristinity right and so, you buy them at a comic shop as opposed to a newsstand because sure. Newsstand, yeah, it's going to be more like dog-eared and bent over. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so like you're not you're not shopping in a quarter bin. You're not shopping in a record store. You're not shopping in a bo- used bookstore. You're not shop. You're not buying one of those awful twenty-five cent uh, stickered uh, half-price books. <laughs> books. Um, mm-hmm. This is a full price four dollar, five dollar, six dollar, or ten dollar issue, and. Um, yeah, first run, fresh from the box. Exactly, exactly. And and, and I do wonder if uh, if these new shipments are going to be considered second printings. Yeah, I hope not. Cause I hope not, too. <laughs> I forget what issue it was. I saw something on that site the other day. <laughs> think about the second print for some issue is going to be available the same day as the first print. Like, oh, okay, so what's the difference? <laughs> just call it the same print. Yep. And, or even just, even with doing reprints and without looking at, like, unintended consequences and all that, but just mm-hmm. they wanted to have an issue, mm-hmm. just do a continuous printing. If you have to go back to print, don't yep. differentiate it and just let people enjoy that it's that issue. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, a, have so, we learned nothing from X-Men Green? <laughs> have we learned nothing from nature girl um why do we keep printing these things out <laughs> they're not selling if the, paper, if the paper's recyclable so we except <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna let us recycle yep. <laughs> it's true it's true but uh yeah the, yeah the penguin thing might be working out i uh i i read a uh, letter from peter the other day where 
he found out that DCBS got some really mangled books. So we're going to be playing um, the October books by ear uh, when they come in the beginning, hopefully the beginning of November, maybe the middle or end of November. We don't know. But when they show up in November, um, they might not they might not all be there. You know, they uh, they they might we might be missing issues. We might be getting they might be sending us garbage. Uh, We just don't know. Uh, because also, in addition to mangling books, they've missed books. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I know that the weekly shippers at DCBS got in, got emails saying that uh, they did that they didn't get some of the books they wanted from Marvel. So to you know hold off. So I guess we'll see, we'll see. But um, yeah, I think that's about it for today. Um, before we go, uh, let's tell the folks where they can find you. Um, right here. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a blog at comicreviewsbywalt.com. I haven't updated in about three months, but I'm hoping to fix that in the next week or two. Very cool. And I'm on Twitter at Walt Neeland, and I'm on Facebook in the X-Men group. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yes, uh, yes Walt is one of us, and uh, we hope you're one of us, too. Um, I want to thank Walt for spending some time with me today and hanging out and talking about Onslaught. and. Uh, Thank you, thank you. And of course, I want to thank everyone out there for letting us reside in your ears for a little while today. And until next time, as always, talk to you again real soon. See ya.